Hello and welcome back. You are listening to the Jabroni Show on CFRC Radio 101.9 FM. My name is Evan and uh, here's Thomas. We're happy to be back. We're back. Let's go. Season two of the Jabroni Show. Yeah, season two, but really, I mean, this the same season if you think about it. We're in the bubble now. I'm at yeah. home. Evan's in the studio. But um, yeah, I guess... Season one, we'll call this season two. I mean, our last episode was the day after the NBA shut down. It was after the Gobert, uh, yeah. the Gobert sheets. Yeah, classic Gobert. All right, so let's get into it. Uh, game seven tomorrow. Well, you'll be hearing it today. Game seven is going to be later today. Uh, Denver We're filming, uh, recording on Monday. Correct. Denver, uh, Denver Nuggets versus the Clippers. Uh, Right off the bat, what do you think? Just I mean, the-, the Nuggets have a history of one playoff series of pulling this one off. They've, they're, they're, they've, been, they've impressed me. I didn't think that it was going to go this far after the first four games, and I thought the exact same thing about the Utah Jazz series. One thing I've really taken away from this is Jamal Murray's kind of evolution and what he can potentially be as a player. The Jokers looked better than ever, Jochik. He's been dishing out passes. He's his the lost weight hasn't seemed to affect him too much, and maybe even has affected him positively. I think it's I a think, great series. What do you think? I about Jokic. I kind of think he's back to. I mean, he's better right now than he started off the season in terms of conditioning, but uh, he's he's kind of back to normal chunk Jokic. Like he's his body hasn't maintained over the bubble. Which a lot of players like Marcus Sol also came back looking pretty thin, and a month later he's not looking that way. But uh, yeah, Jokic has played great. The thing I kind of have noticed about the Nuggets this year is uh, I'm happy to say that I wrote them off in past years and partially this year. I always thought they were going to beat the Jazz. I really just thought they were a better team, especially the Jazz without Bogdanovich that killed their offense needed Bogdanovich badly yeah. yeah but uh to me it's always been the Nuggets the Murray Jokic uh screen and roll high man double high man game has worked really well and they can find open shots for their perimeter guys Gary Harris Paul Millsap etc cetera, etc cetera. but uh what are they going to do in the fourth quarter when teams start to toughen up and key in on your game plan and kind of stop your worst just stop your best player on the court and make you give it to the worst and uh the nuggets haven't had that in the past past playoffs they really didn't have that and i didn't think they have it this season to be honest like the great regular season team but again how are they going to do in the fourth quarter of these playoff games they've totally had it and credit to murray credit to all kind of credit to Jokic. Jokic has played great in the first three quarters of most games. And okay, Jokic has looked, I think, way better in this series than he did the first one too. Yeah, Gobert is such a tough matchup for him. Gobert kind of took away everything Jokic wanted to do. Uh, but the Nuggets are, I mean, they don't have a Kawhi, but but they're they're really there. Like they they know how to win games, which is why in the past I would have said I don't know, but. I, they, I really think it's possible. 
for them to win this one, which is crazy to think about. It's insane to think that Kawhi's Clippers could lose to Jamal Murray and Yochik's Denver Nuggets. I mean, yeah. Where was Paul George in the MVP voting last year? Was he top five? Kawhi was the finals MVP and easily one of the best, if not the best player in the playoffs. Yeah, wasn't uh, Pandemic P uh, third in voting last year? I'm pretty sure he was third in voting. Ludicrous. Uh, yeah, I mean, honestly, the Clippers, also, like, they're going to win the game. I, I, the Nuggets do have a chance, but the Clippers are going to win the game. But for them, it's, of course, uh, you have to focus on this game. But kind of moving forward, like, I, the biggest takeaway from I've kind of had about the Clippers is obviously Paul George needs to play well. And it's helpful when Beverly doesn't foul out in 16 minutes with two points. But, uh, like, Lou hasn't played bad, but he has to be better. But it's really, like, Marcus Morris is doing nothing. Did you expect him to do something? Well, regardless of his role on the Knicks, like, him not deserving it, you expect 13 out of him, decent defense and decent shooting, and... You're getting, what, eight out of him? Poor defense and poor shooting. That's not great. And for me, the biggest one, honestly, has been Harrell. Like, Harrell was... Did he win Sixth Man of the Year? I can't even remember. Yeah, he did win Sixth Man of the Year. The awards are a blur this year. See, he won Sixth Man of the Year, and it like that was a super, super, super deserving Sixth Man of the Year. People thought they gave it to him over Lou because Lou had gotten in the past, and... Yada yada, it would be nice to give it to this new guy. Plus, you're kind of still celebrating Lou if you give it to the Clippers, a guy on the Clippers bench. But Harold was really, really, really good, giving them a lot of production in not that many minutes in some cases. And they they haven't been able to keep him on the floor against these Nuggets. Like, man, I can't remember the last time. Like, Zubach is getting consistently over 24 minutes a game in the series, which I'm a Zubach guy, but that that's pretty crazy, you know? Like, like, no, it's insane. Harold it, hasn't been doing anything, and they need him. They need him. To they be doing need, he's like you, like just to emphasize your point, he wasn't the sixth man of the year for no reason over Lou Williams. He did because he earned it. Yeah. And he's going to have to show why he earned it in the game seven tomorrow. Even yeah. but who knows if they even call it call on him for important minutes. They have to, man. The Nuggets have, the Nugget, man, they have to. Like, because if you don't get him rolling now, well, you may still win the game, but what do you do against the Clippers, like against that front court, if you don't have Harrell rolling? Harrell's been their biggest problem so far. And we, like, as much as I want to say the reason I, I feel like they have the best shot at winning the championship, had the best shot, was because of Kawhi, because he's done nothing... There hasn't been anything done in the past and during this season or last season to prove that he's not the best player. I honestly didn't think that's why the Clippers were favored by most. Their depth is insane. Like what team has Lou Williams, Landry Shamit, Montrez, and even like Jamichael Green? Like 30 NBA rosters will take Jamichael Green as their backup power forward, as ridiculous as that sounds. And it, it hasn't been here against the Nuggets. Uh, like That's a really good point. 
like why do i have reason to believe it will be there against teams in the future so honestly like i'm i'm not that high on the clippers right now they played nine guys in game six with jermichael green and landry shamit pulling up the rear with 14 minutes each and Kawhi leading in 39 i mean paul george leading with 42 how many minutes did harold get harold played 16 yeah that's crazy Zubak with 32. That's crazy. And Zubac probably that didn't much depth bad. and they they have to rely on Zubac. And they probably didn't Zubac probably didn't play bad. It's just having No, Harrell he wasn't there. terrible at all. Like he wasn't great, don't get me wrong. 9 uh 9 rebounds, 1.5 1. uh 1 assist, 5 points, holy jumbo. Holy jumbo is right. Yeah, I don't But honestly like the, the crazy thing is like Kawhi just turns it on game seven. They could win game seven on the final play and come back the next series just ready to fire. Exactly right. what the Raptors did. I think that people underestimated the Raptors after the Philly series and how much it, they maybe thought it would have taken out of them or how close it was. Because we were still, at that point, a new team, as crazy as that sounds. But the Clippers are so interesting. The Clippers are new as well. So they could th- these could be the games they need to gel together to take down the Lakers. Right. And I'm saying, uh, I guess we're just comparing the last two Kawhi teams. But although Kawhi wasn't playing a ton in the regular season, when he did and we had uh, all of our guys in, it kind of felt like we knew what the game plan was. We knew who the ball was going to at certain moments. And the players kind of didn't have that much chemi- chemistry but knew their roles on this Clippers team it like there I'm saying there are a couple of regular season games on the Raptors where it's like okay even though people are saying they haven't really played together so who knows in the playoffs like I've still seen a couple times where like it will transfer like you know they have it down I'm I'm definitely like this Clippers team there hasn't been one time when I've watched them play and be like yeah, this is their identity. This is how they're going to play in the playoffs, and it's working, and the chemistry's there. I mean, they win a ton of games, and they're really, really good. I just, I, I haven't seen it really, really click yet. No, and I think you're exactly spot on about that. That, like, snap, that click, mm-hmm. isn't there. People, it's a deep team, and people all kind of have, conf- or maybe play acting like conflicting roles. Yeah, but it's almost like, and Kawhi should be, maybe it's a testament to Kawhi's leadership, not a testament, but a detriment actually, that he doesn't have, at the Raptors, everybody, that kind of culture of knowing your roles and stuff is already pre-established. I could, I would argue with guys like Kyle Lowry and DeRozan and yeah. the playoff runs, although not deep, but tough that they went on where they could have developed their idea of their roles where Kawhi didn't have to have that much of a leadership role in bringing a team together. Here in the Clippers, he's the best player on a team that's expected to win the championship of a bunch of free agent mercenaries as of the start of the season and not that many games ago, to be honest. They awesome. uh, they faced injuries throughout the year. They, they're just not... They, you're right, no identity. Or not no yeah. identity. They don't know their identity. Also, I'm a big shout out guy. Like, I'll I'll shout out a random player if if he's out there here hooping or doing something bonkers that we're enjoying laying our eyes on. But I feel like I'm a bigger negative shout out guy. Negative shout out to Doc Rivers. I think he. I swear he's one of the most overrated coaches in like like ever. 
I, I, I genuinely don't think he's a good coach. Although the, the players clearly really, really like him, which means a lot in the NBA, but he's not a good coach. I think people, I think the reason why he's in the NBA, well, he obviously can do like, has some coaching, like that would be plain to say he has no coaching skill. But people love him and he can maybe, or it's allegedly get the most out of a squad. He doesn't, he, I, I've never seen Clippers like try to play with a game plan ever. It's it's totally just as you like take the ball up the court and let's see what happens. I wonder what the swing was like for Kawhi going from Nick Nick Nurse to Doc Rivers. Oh, he definitely likes Rivers more. Maybe he likes Rivers, but just the system and how it works. Yeah, the the Clippers assistant uh, staff is nuts too. It's Rex. You remember Rex Kalamian? Yeah. He was allegedly in line to be the Raptors' next head coach, but Sheets. Um, and then Monty Williams, old, uh, whatchamacallit, old Pelicans coach. Yep. And uh, Ty Lue. Yeah. I mean, and Sam Cassell and Phil Handy. I don't want to get us too off the lane, but speaking of, never, I will save that. That's a, that'll be a tease, the head coach, a little Eastern Conference head coach tease. Well, let's go straight into it. Nick Nurse sucks. <laughs> was it the transition I was the coach I was talking about? But why does Nick Nurse suck? I mean, people talk about first of all. Do you see? Let's go a bit off. Well, it's on topic, but it's off topic. Do you see uh, Pascal's uh, one of the inter- the one of the questions Pascal was asked after the interview? Sorry, after Game Seven. Which one? The um... So this reporter goes like, I, I really wish I had the audio on me. Like, hey, Pascal, how are you doing? He's like, yeah, not great. I'm like, what do you mean? And she goes, okay, so, so how does it feel to be responsible for this loss? Oh, yeah, in, I saw in that. In those words. And he just looked back at her like, you're literally off the chain. Like, you're bonk. Like, what are you saying? Imagine saying that to a player who just... Yeah. Okay. I, that out of the way, I felt like I had to bring that up because that was ridiculous. Where are you at uh, with the Pascal Siakam hate? Are you a hater? Do you feel like he was not used properly? The Pascal you, what's your take? Siakam hate deserves a timeline with me. So I go back to the end of last year's playoffs. Honestly, played better than I expected. His game one against the uh, Warriors and then a uh, couple like last five minutes against the Warriors in game six that like that really cemented him being like the next not next star but next focal piece for the Raptors whether he was the best player because Kyle Lowry is the best player but just next focal piece next piece next yeah. he could be a sub star and in the sea going into the season no he's a star going into the season high expectations people had ridiculous expectations Pascal lived up 100% in October, December. There was talks of, of two-time MIP. Yeah, October, December, and parts of January where he legitimately, legitimately was like, like a superstar, dare I say this it. Guy's, this guy's close to top 12 in the league. This He played top 12 in the league um, the first two months of the season. I'm happy to say that. because he, he was like Kawhi 2.0. 
like he was averaging know. the same he would like statistically at the start of the season they were oh. on the same statistical tra- uh, trajectories yeah yeah for sure probably at higher clips too i don't even know it uh, was it was great it was superstardom potentially playing but, like it at that point yeah but he went back down to earth and his earth is fine uh for the rest of the season and i i don't think i think people got so excited over his all-star start and his first two months that that they just didn't really want to acknowledge maybe the last 30 games of his regular season because they were not good i can admit i was i was not paying as much attention to those games yeah you also like it's hard to like pascal like you don't want to hate him and on him during the regular season anyways going to this playoffs uh people obviously like we needed him if we were going to win the finals i understand that and or make it far in the playoffs to in the first place and like i i personally just i i didn't understand why people were so high on him and i i thought i looked at the playoffs and was kind of once the matchups were set and i mean regardless of the team he's playing if it's boston he's going to deal against brad stevens defensive scheme slash uh brown if it's Miami, he's gonna have to deal with Bam. If it's uh, what should we call it? And if it's oh, the Magic, Philadelphia. If it's the, Bucks, if it's the Bucks, he's gonna have to deal with Giannis. So I was very prepared to for Pascal to have a super poor regular uh, postseason, but I mean maybe just lose touches. But man, th- this Celtics series was was nuts. First of all, like first things first, it's important. I, I feel like it's very important to give credit to Brad Stevens, uh, Smart and Brown because they were anti sorry because they were so 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 good, scheming wise and just man on man post defense against Siakam. But think about how we use Siakam during the regular season and and I'd say yeah yeah just a, a normal regular season game. It'll, he's probably gonna get maybe four post touches a game. And out of those four post touches, honestly, he'll probably go up around the rim with three of them and they'll probably make two or three, to be honest. He's usually pretty good on them, but it's a lot of, it's an, it's a lot of, Oh, you just got the rebound. Give it to him immediately. Marcus will let him dribble it up try to find Fred in the corner, Norm in the corner, just run, run the break. And I understand that like, the Celtics weren't giving the Raptors as many fast break opportunities and their fast break defense really was that good uh, for really the whole series. And especially in the playoffs when possessions take longer, there's more offensive rebounds and scrambling and fouls and the game kind of lasts more and there's not as many break opportunities. That's hard for to get the ball to Siakam. But still, like, I can't counter time where Siakam got it on the wing and quickly shot up. Like it was, it was all like such. The pace was terrible, and then so the part that really, really bothered me is that people think he's like non-Raptors fans, or maybe non people don't watch Raptors a lot, or whatever. Think he's this, uh, like, our one of our primary. They're like, oh, he's a point forward. Like he plays like he plays like he's a point guard. He runs like our offense sometimes. Pascal Siakam is not once run our offense, and people think he like brings up the ball. He initiates the offense. Yes. But he doesn't like 
have the ball at the top of the key against a good defender and go into pick and roll running the whole entire offense by himself. He never does that. Okay. Instead, he gets the ball at at the wings at like opportunic opportunistic times so he can then make like advantageous dribbles, get in the paint and do his thing. This entire series Nurse either posted him up deep against Brown or Smart. He loved the Brown post up. Loved it. it. And it wasn't that he was missing it. He was turning the ball over. Okay. So there's that. It it just didn't work. Why would you keep on doing it if it doesn't work? Especially Mr. Nick Nurse, Mr. Game Adjustments Man. Okay. You could like feel free to adjust if something's not working. Okay. And then he got no like just good passes in the corner or side of the key where he can like had a bit of an advantage on a closing the closeout defender, whether he could either shoot the three pump fake and go in and make a dribble move and try to attack the basket. That didn't happen. He was either getting the ball at the top of the key going one on one against his man, which I do support when his man's Grant Williams, but when it's Tice Brown or smart, it, 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 it didn't work. It literally I felt like it actually didn't work over four times. Let's take a moment though to shout out Tice. This yeah, Daniel Tice was amazing. Like shocking. Shout out Daniel Tice. Yeah, put this in perspective. Gasol's making like 25. Ibaka is making 18. And okay, they got outplayed by a guy who got who has a five million dollar option to be picked up next season. It's disgusting. Robert Williams also outplayed them. And I don't want to give too much hate to Gasol because I like like the Celtics. Honestly, I feel like we should give all the credit to I, I really, really do believe the Celtics won because of Brad Stevens and the Raptors lost because of Nick Nurse. I, I, I genuinely, genuinely believe that. And the reason I'm not that down on Pascal is because like you saw his body language out there when he was going to the post-ups. He wasn't confident. He knew what was probably going to happen. Obviously, he was doing his best, but like he didn't look like. So people are like, "Why? Why does Pascal keep on doing this? Why does he suck so much?" I can guarantee you, Pascal's not thinking to himself, "Hmm, this post up hasn't worked six times in a row. I better go back to it." It's what Nurse wanted him to do. Oh, that's such a fair point. It's. It looked unnatural for him to be going there that much. I remember thinking he, all the time, he keeps posting up Brown like it's a great decision. Yeah, but people are like, oh, Siakam's so dumb. He, like, look at him. He doesn't want to be doing what he's doing. No, I think it's obvious. I'm not big on the Siakam hate either. I'm I'm actually small on it, I might even say. I think he did, not, he did it less than we were expecting, and that's for sure. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. But don't, like... Uh, not, not let me mince my words here, but he wasn't like a bust. He he was facing, he, it was kind of like a best player in the series type of series. He, he wasn't he, the best player in the series. He and, he, he busted, but I, I think so much of it is Nurse's fault and the rest of the Raptors offense's fault. He busted though. He played terrible. He was not ad- advantageous to our team for sure. Yeah, and at the same time, like, why why are people Fred did make big shot shots down the stretch, but like Fred played terrible, Mark played terrible, so many guys played terrible. I don't I don't understand why it's going all to Siakam. No, it's 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 in, it's actually ludicrous. There was minimal not that I think we should hate on any player, but 
Fred's questionable shot selection at the end. Mark, that like, last Fred position, when we clearly just should have gone for the quick two instead of the three, where he tried to dance around the perimeter, was one of the dumbest possessions I've ever seen. It was a straight up a Westbrook possession. It's like your defender knows you're going to try to shoot a three. Why would you? Why would you just dance around the line? Like he's obviously going to be there to contest. Like he literally danced for twenty seconds and just jacked it. It was absurd. I can't imagine that was the play they came out of the huddle with. No, and you know the worst part about that. And usually, I get pretty mad at Lowry for firing, uh, for fouling out because he is our best player. And why wouldn't you want to have your best player on the floor at the most important time? But if Lowry was in, like. I'm not saying he would have hit the three. I'm not saying he would have hit the two, but he would have made uh, he would have made a much 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 better decision than Fred did there. I know. I don't. I did not understand that last possession there, and the final possessions in Game Six as well looked like that going into OT and stuff. Like Norm, yeah. like fadeaway Norm three. How was that the oh, drama play? Be honest, like, both teams were so so gassed at that point that it literally turned into whoever had Kemba on him, just attack, and and it worked. Obviously, I'd rather the ball in Lowry's hand, final possession. And a lot of people I was watching with were very disgusted that Norm got that final opportunity. And it was like a Norm ISO, too, from the top of the key. It was kind of funny to watch. I can't, I can't lie. I was excited about it. I was with... Uh... I, I liked it. I liked the play call. It was also... A, he got off a clean shot. No, it was Norm was keeping us in that game too. I like that game alone. He didn't necessarily like in the whole scope of the series and what it meant. Maybe didn't deserve to take it for, but for that game, I don't think it was the worst choice. Yeah, and I think like Raptors fans are are just mad because I mean it sucks. It sucks. On. Yeah, it sucks. The way we lost sucks. But um, I think really important man Brad Stevens in the Celtics. Marcus Smart, especially. Man, like... Way to have the series of his life. Other than Kemba and Grant Williams and Brad Wanamaker, I hate Brad Wanamaker and Grant Williams now. They all played really well, like all all seven games, I thought. And shout out Tice as well, of course. They were they were better than I thought. I, I, I really believe the Raptors... Well, the Raptors played bad and they lost in on seven games. But I, I genuinely thought that if the Raptors played okay to good, they'd they'd get it in six. Uh man, J- Jalen Brown's way better than I thought he was. Jalen Brown somehow being on the Celtics doesn't get the respect he should. He can do like saying he can do it all is cliche, but he can do it all. Yeah, I feel like Gordon Hayward uh I feel like Gordon Hayward kind of takes away like you think about the guys who kind of handle the ball there. It's uh, uh, Kemba, of course, Tatum and Tatum and Brown. And when when Hayward's kind of in the lineup, you almost feel the need to give him the ball, even though uh, you know Brown may be better. He, and he's Brown so unselfish, played. though Hayward. Yeah, but just Not he does command the ball. Um, and naturally, Brown kind of just fades in the corner. But man, Brown on those like high screen and rolls and those like momentum attacks to the basket like looked really 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 good i was thinking i was like thinking about the celtics first heat series i'm thinking like okay who's the best player in the series tatum tatum or butler naturally and i'm here sitting like yes tatum 
is better than Brown. I like we we can both agree on that. I hope. Yeah, I'm on board. Uh but when you look at it like a Jason Tatum versus Jimmy Butler or Jalen Brown versus Jimmy Butler, like a Jalen Brown almost gets the edge for some reason for me. I don't even know why. Why? Like it's just you feel that's a better matchup that's closer to I, what I, I like that matchup for the Celtics. I, I think Jalen Brown's really gonna bring it. I feel like that that's who the Heat are is they never really have although Jimmy Butler believe he's the best player in each series they play, they mm-hmm. kind of are supported by this cast around them that yeah. everybody is like it's a, it's an impressive cast that nobody saw coming. Yeah, I Tyler mean, Hero, Kendrick Nunn. I couldn't have seen having a shot at the NBA Finals coming, but like, re, uh, speaking on that, it's just like a pretty simple part of the NBA is just good like roster construction, and like from guards to big men, just the guards themselves. Kendrick Nunn, Goran Dragic is so 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 good, so underrated. Every I year. Wish, yeah, I wish he could have like somehow snuck in for six men of the year. He just didn't play enough. But Goran Dragic is so, so good. And in the in the playoffs, he turns into like he's playing at all-star level right now. Anyways. He's playing better than Blood. So I take him over so many point guards right now. Oh, I take well, him over. Well, not so many, not so many playoffs. I'll relax, but yeah. Um from guards all the way up. So their guards are none uh uh, what should we call it? Who was I just talking about, man? None, Hero. Goran Jogic and, and Hero. And Duncan Robinson, okay. Duncan then, Robinson is a killer, too. He is a killer. Stretches out the floor crazy. And then your forwards are uh, Jimmy Butler, Iguodala, Derek Jones Jr., and Jay Crowder. Jay Crowder is playing really, really well. I, was I think Memphis, to say. Memphis gave up too much in the Iguodala deal. You think? Yeah, man. I don't know why they included Crowder. Because like Crowder, Crowder always hits his stride like this, I feel like. He didn't hit his stride in Utah or Cleveland. Fair, fair. Uh, but man, like, if I'm the Heat, like that was a trade for Crowder, not for Iguodala at this point. He's played really well. Okay, those are your four. He's giving him 12.8 in 30 minutes. He's playing 30 minutes in the playoffs and he started every game. Bang in every three he gets. Okay, and your front court is Myers, Leonard, Kelly Olenek, and Bam Adebayo. Like that's crazy roster construction. Leonard is not really playing, but yeah, yeah. But you have him there. Like the Celtics have to go to Robert Williams or uh, what should we call it, Grant Williams for their big man off the floor. The Heat can go to Kelly Olenek, then they can go to Myers, Leonard. Like the Celtics uh, again. It will be. I would. And they be surprised in the finals, but man, like I feel like it's not that surprising that they got here. And and I'm not gonna be like, oh, it's because Jimmy Butler. He's so underrated. It's it's generally because the roster construction. No, I'm gonna piggyback right on top of that, and I'm gonna even go a step further, saying I'm. I feel like I had the Heat going this far in my head. Like I wasn't. It's not shocking. It's shocking that they beat the box. I can admit, like the fashion that they beat them in was shocking it was masterful i didn't think they had that in them but i could definitely see them squirming their way up to the eastern conference finals and 
beating like when I pictured Toronto being in the finals, I would be worried about playing the Heat in the conference finals. Yeah, I kind of agree. Uh, I don't think we'd match up great against them, and I don't think the Celtics, as to your point, don't match up great against them either. To the Heat? Yeah. I was. I wanted to talk about that. I think they're. I I think the Celtics. I think the Celtics match up better than we think. But who's taking Let's care of go. Bam? Daniel Tice. Daniel Tice. You're and big Jaylen on Brown. Daniel Tice. Easily, easily. I mean, well, like, what reason do we have to believe that he won't? And also, Bam doesn't need to necessarily t- be taken care of. I wouldn't say. Yeah, but he's gonna be a fact. The four point, like, I can't see Daniel Tice keeping up with Bam and his di- distribution, even his rebounding and. The things really? he does just aren't comparable at that position. Like the skill difference at that position is so huge in this series. I well, so I I I honestly disagree. I I don't think the Adebayo thing will be the issue. I think the issue is who comes in after Tice, because I mean, obviously, uh, what should we call it? Obviously, uh, Robert Williams outplayed his his like performance level against the Raptors. You're not going to get that Robert Williams again. Yeah. That that's a fair point for sure. Okay. And then Ines Cantor just doesn't work in the playoffs. Cause if you have, I, I get it. Stevens is great at hiding defenders, but him and Kemba on the same floor during the playoffs doesn't work. It doesn't. No, Kemba looked exposed. So that's why I'm worried about kind of the, the uh the front court matchup but i in terms of start the start and end of the game i don't think i don't think the celtics have a problem containing bam and they definitely don't have a problem containing uh any of uh, Dragic, butler etc like i i think the celtics other than depth i think the celtics I think they're. I think I think they have a really really good chance of winning the series. I think they're going to win the series. I I can I can definitely see the Celtics winning the series, but I feel like I got to take the heat in this one. Although I get your point about Bam, I don't know if I'm fully sold. I just believe he's on a different level than the player that's guarding him. Uh-huh. But that's been that's been proven to not be a factor many times. So yeah. Okay. So then, where do the, where did the Heat? There's the biggest one, obviously. Obviously, it's depth and the way the Celtics play defense. They do, uh, have and the co- their coaching is phenomenal. Yeah, yeah, they do have games where they foul a lot, but where? So I'm saying, uh, with that, the if if there's a game where maybe Smart and Tice are in foul trouble, like there's no way the Celtics win. There isn't a way. But other than that, like where where do the, where do the Heat have the advantage? No, I see the maybe foul I, trouble definitely would be a problem. Maybe end the game scenarios. I'd probably take Jimmy Butler with the ball in his hand over Tatum Brown to be on or Kemba to be honest. Now that I think about it, which is actually pretty important because they're going to play a lot of close games. But I, I really think the Celtics have a pretty significant advantage for some reason. And the thing is, you could be wrong, but this Heat team has shown to upset the season. I don't think they're fully there yet. Like I listened to a podcast with uh, 
uh, Duncan Robinson earlier this summer where he's talking about the heat, their preparation, their game approach, their style. But who and they But who have the my point is who have the, looking at it, what have the Heat really, really done? They've stayed healthy the whole year and made the They didn't have Butler for a good chunk of the year. They lost Tyler Hero. They were not they didn't they haven't really had a chance to play with this full group as much as people think. They just got Jay Crowder who's starting. Drogic was injured. I, how many, I don't think Butler was injured for that long. Butler was injured. Drogic was injured. Hero was injured. Iguodala was many, new. How many, how many games is Butler out for? Did Kendrick Nunn get injured at some point? At some point. But I, I, I'm saying, okay, they, they didn't have any significant, significant injuries. Okay. And they made fifth. Sorry, no, no. I'll give them credit. They made third seed in the East. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, okay. They beat the Indiana Pacers in the playoffs. Big deal. They beat uh Giannis Bucks in the playoffs. That is kind of a big deal, but it's not this I feel like they're just unconfirmed yet. I I feel like this this Boston series could be a coming out party for them. I feel like they've already had their like in terms of media like coming out party, but like I just none of it feels confirmed. We'll see though. We'll it's see. it's going to be a, definitely a talking point moving forward. And that yeah. conference is going to be even more stacked next year. Steve Nash is coming to coach the Brooklyn, Brooklyn Nets. How about yeah, that? About that. I listened to um, a podcast that was kind of going in about it and uh, with Raja Bell, who played with Steve Nash. Mm-hmm. And he thinks this is going to go great. His opinion is essentially this is what Steve does. There's a lot. There's a great supporting cast around him. He just has to draw up plays for KD and Kyrie and see it was, go crazy. Was Raja? Did Raja say that Steve was going to do really well, or did he say that Steve's the right man for this job? I think it was more. He's the right man for this job. I think it was a bit of both. They're they're friends, right? I I don't understand the hiring. I I I tried to, but I don't. Well, I think part of the hiring is Steve Nash working with KD in Golden State. Definitely. But I, here's why I don't understand it. And we can take it back too. I mean, if you think about the players you probably like least want to coach in the NBA, they're probably Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, and James Harden. Or James, I would. I'm taking James Harden out of that. Actually, I'm saying. I feel like James Harden's totally coachable. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm taking him out of that. He deserves. He gets too much hate for that too. Okay. Would you say those are probably the two players you may least want to coach in the NBA if you're a coach trying to keep their job? Deion Waiters, maybe. I'm. Yeah, I'm talking about like significant, like top forty-ish players. Yeah. All right. Okay. So there's that, and. Kyrie's track record with Brad Stevens, yeah, not great. I'm sure Katie and Steve Kerr have a great relationship, but it's been out that uh, they didn't. They basically didn't talk for Katie's final year in Golden State. That's not great. Katie totally threw Billy Donovan under the bus in his last year in OKC, or it may have been Scott Brooks. Yeah, yeah, it was Scott Brooks. Not great. I mean, why don't you just? Say if you're Brooklyn, you say, okay, Durant's coming back. And as much as we pray and wish that he was going to be, he's going to come back as a top three player. You just tore his Achilles. 
and he's in his 30s. He's going to come back. He's going to be great. We're going to be super dangerous in the playoffs, but he's a top 10 player now. He's not, a top, so? he's not a top four player. I don't understand how he comes back from that and reaches an, a, back to this level. I don't think it can happen. Okay. And you have Kyrie who hasn't really played significant basketball, significant playoff basketball in what? Is it two or three years now? And it's at least, it's been enough time. It's been a while. Okay. Kyrie's great talent wise, easily top 10 in the NBA, but he he's, he's not there. Okay. So deep down those nets and they know they, their cash situation isn't great. They can finagle a couple moves, but they don't have enough young guys to really. They've have got a, Chris Levert. Uh, Chris Levert's so overrated, man. It's we'll see what they can do with Spencer Dinwiddie. That's important if they can get some good return on him, because they'll have to trade him. But if they're smart, they go. Okay, I mean, if Steve Nash works, that's a home run. Who knows what happens next year in terms of winning? But if he doesn't. Like, that's immediately like Katie. If he, if Steve Nash doesn't work, like that will ruin everything. My point is, I don't think the Nash hire. I don't think Nash is the problem. I think if you're the Nets, why don't you just hire Tyron Lee? It's such. It seems like such an easy decision to me. A player's coach. He's play, worked with Kyrie. Um, everyone loves him. He lets the players do kind of what they want, more or less. He's won a championship too. Like I don't care what you say LeBron was a team of that coach, but he's won a championship and he's been on other great coaching staff. He's been on the stage. Yeah. Why, why don't just give it to Ty Lue? It seems like such an easy decision. Maybe the answer was in your solution there. He played with Kyrie. He coached Kyrie. He doesn't want it. Maybe he didn't want that job. Nah, Ty Lue definitely wants that job. Why wouldn't he? Why would he rather be a head coach of Brooklyn than an assistant coach of the Clippers? I have to, you have to believe that. You're right. I got to take that one back for sure. Yeah. So obviously if Steve Nash works, it's a home run. And like Steve Nash has, Steve Nash also has too much pride to just kiss, um, like kiss up to Kyrie and uh, whatchamacallit, Kevin Durant. Like He's a former remember- MVP. Yeah, remember back to back MVP. Remember in LA when he ripped Dwight Howard every other game, <laughs> and Dwight Howard being the emotional lad he is, kind of reminds me of Kyrie to be honest, and KD to be honest. Wasn't having any any of it. Like, I just in terms of basketball, yes, it's great, but I I really think there's a super super good chance that they butt heads honestly within the first three months. You see the rose-colored glasses coming off real quick, eh? Yeah, I like. It might be cheery for the first little bit. They might all love each other and sing "Kumbaya," but you really feel there's an expiration date, is what you're saying. I think chances are, but I'd also feel like remiss to say because I mean, Nash will be uh, if he keeps if he keeps it up after he leaves Brooklyn. When if he leaves Brooklyn, he will be a great NBA coach, and Kevin Durant's a great NBA player. Kyrie's a great NBA player. It could click. Like I don't. I don't know. I'm not in the locker room. It could click. It could be amazing. But like I actually think the odds of that happening, given all their past, their past like track records, is so 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 low. I really don't think it will happen. There's a reason to be concerned. 
And the reasons you'd be concerned about that because of the track record and the history were the same reasons everybody was concerned about the Houston Rockets. Yeah, and- exactly. Speaking of another coach, D'Antoni. So it says he uh, he said he it wasn't a part ways. It was uh, he left the Rockets. What do you think happened? Do you think it was like a mutual thing? Do you think they wanted to fire him or do you think he actually just walked away? My immediate reaction was that he they maybe were going to fire him and he decided to walk away before they could do anything. That right. could be completely wrong, but that was just my snap judgment reaction because I felt like why would they keep D'Antoni around? I understand he has an affinity with Harden and he has run a historically great offense. Mm-hmm. But it hasn't worked out like we like we were saying both of us the history and the facts have shown that this for some reason doesn't seem to make it work. So mm-hmm. am I surprised they parted ways? Absolutely not. Am I surprised in the way it happened for sure? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the only thing I, I mean, I'd respect Daryl more if he just said, "Hey, it didn't work. I shouldn't have traded Chris Paul for Westbrook." Uh, we, I shouldn't have made, uh, no, he should have traded Capella, but I know I dug myself in this deep hole. Uh, we can't continue going like this. We got to, I don't know how they're going to get rid of Westbrook, but we trade Tucker, we trade, uh, Covington, we trade Westbrook. We just try to dump contracts and say, uh, James, the next year is going to suck. But I mean, you know how loaded the 2021. Yeah, 2021 free agency class. I'd be shocked if the uh, Rockets, if they couldn't attract any free agents. I but, So if that's the case and they fired D'Antoni and maybe they try to switch up their playing style a bit, and that, but that really involves getting rid of Eric Gordon, Tucker, everyone. I, I, I understand the firing. But hypothetically, how are they going to trade Westbrook? They can't. They cannot unless they're getting Chris Paul back. They're not going to trade Covington this off season. They just probably won't do it. No, he's. I think they feel like they can still get more out of Covington. Yeah, and well, it's more just like why would you? Okay, and then they're just not. I'd unless they can trade Westbrook, they're not trading PJ Tucker or Eric Gordon. So my point is, if this Rockets team looks. 60% similar next year and they're trying to play without D'Antoni I totally 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 don't understand the firing how would a better how would a different coach be better for this team than D'Antoni like it, it doesn't make sense I thought as much as I said I wasn't surprised that they're parting ways I can't imagine who would replace his position exactly off the top so- of my head it's gonna have to be someone almost random like Steve Nash or it's going to have to who somehow would do a similar style to D'Antoni but is that what they would want to hire like a D'Antoni 2.0 and is that even a thing so yeah yeah I genuinely believe that's not really a thing and then again reiterate if Daryl Morey just broke it up but uh, breaking it up involves trading Westbrook I don't know how that's possible then I'd respect the firing I respect the breakup honestly because they tried it. it. It's a shame they couldn't get past Golden State in 2016. Chris Paul injury, that, too. Yeah, it's a shame they missed 27 threes. They really would have won the finals that year. It sucks. But it, it's over, you know? It's over. It's just a shame that 
I mean, I, I hate to say it, but like they kept Chris Paul this year. <laughs> they would have had a legitimate shot again. I, I at the same time, I don't, I, I'm not, I wasn't surprised when they made the Chris Paul trade because of the injury history and how that had costed them in the playoffs. And oh, well, they, they had to trade Chris Paul. I, I'm totally not uh, doubting that, but it's just the Westbrook return. But you know you know the stuff that was happening on between uh, Paul and Harden. They could not continue playing together for both of their sakes. No, it wasn't working out clearly. Imagine if you're Chris Paul and you're in like a game seven of an important playoff series and there's you're in the fourth quarter and you're trying to run the offense you're it's a big possession and you see james harden on the other side of the court cheese because he doesn't have the ball with his hands down not a part of the offense like i totally understand why they had to trade chris paul because you obviously choose harden over paul but it's just a shame that they couldn't their styles really really just didn't match and chris paul is just way too stubborn to play with harden and Harden is way too stuck in his ways to change for Chris Paul. I it's just, it's so, it's so sad it's, to me. It's gonna be a matchup that we'll look back on being like, wow, Chris Paul Harden, what a combo that just never saw fruition. Whether it was them butting heads, an injury, yeah. a missed three or twenty seven. I really and- don't think we talk about that twenty sixteen people in general. That twenty sixteen game seven where they missed twenty seven straight threes. I remember watching it. I was losing my mind. Yeah, they also got, I mean, retrospectively, you can't be calling fouls. They got fouled on, I think, like four of those threes, which it's fine. Like, it's fine. They still lost the game. But more what I don't understand, and of course, close only on uh, counts and hand shoe, uh, what's it called? Hand grenades and horseshoes. But they were so so close to beating the 2016 warriors okay 2016 warriors could be could be one of the best teams of all time oh no no no. i'm 2017 warriors best team of all time but so close and close usually doesn't mean much but that close felt like it meant much because chris paul was injured and they missed 27 threes when does that happen if they win that they win the championship so they win they beat the 72 and 10 warriors and they beat lebron's Cavs. I, and I really genuinely believe they beat the Cavs because hopefully Chris Paul comes back healthy because there used to be a week break after the conference finals into the finals. Like, imagine, like, and we still... And that team wasn't, off. like, a, I just don't know what works clicked so well on that team. I'm telling you, it's nothing. It's because these past Rockets teams have had not great rosters. And the one year they did have a great roster, it, it worked. So that's why, like, the Rockets, the Rockets could be of the past like six, six, a decade really. The Rockets are like the most confusing franchise in the NBA. I swear. Is, uh, you think Daryl Morey's time is over? Uh, that's a really good question. Is this what? What does that mean? Does that mean we see Harden depart? Probably not. But it's going to be. I mean, he's going to have to want to play a different way. I just and something we already addressed that he doesn't like to do. If D'Antoni walks, you have to play differently. If you play differently, you're not going to win. If you play like you're playing with Westbrook, you're not going to win. I There's nowhere to go for them. That's what I don't understand. I wouldn't even be terribly mad if they just ran it back with D'Antoni and this similar roster. 
I feel like if Westbrook never came back, they would have. <laughs> that would be that would be so funny if he comes back and you just lose the series. Oh, yeah, yeah, man. If they, I think Rocket, if, Rockets have potential to have the most interesting off season. If Westbrook didn't come back, they would have lost the series and go, oh well, we didn't have Westbrook. That was the second piece we built everything around. We didn't get to properly see what we did. I bet D'Antoni would still be the coach. And we wouldn't be having this conversation. We'd be like, well, Harden didn't have Westbrook. They got to run it back. Yeah. Yeah. Because we liked what we were seeing out of Westbrook at the end before the pandemic started. Well, we liked what we were seeing, but we knew that uh, any team that involves Westbrook so much, yeah, at their best, they're going to be pretty good. But like, he's he's genuinely just radical. Like At a certain point, it, it's not... We've been having oh, this conversation having since like grade eleven about Westbrook. Yeah, exactly. Like, I, I'd be shot. Like, I would be. I'm. I would. I'll be genuinely mad if he's on the All Star team next year. It's, it's been, it, like the theme of the episode. The history and the facts have shown that this is what we should expect, and we shouldn't be only slaughter, sl- uh, slaughtering Westbrook here. Harden as well has crumbled. I, I no, in big I, games. I, honestly, I I can't slaughter Harden because I'm a hard. I don't even think I'm a Harden guy. I think I'm just like, I watching Harden is. I first of all, I think his defense is is legitimately good. Like his hands are not. It's good. Okay, to me, it's just like the the more like passive moves in the playoffs. But I thought I thought he played well these playoffs. I really don't think you can take anything away from him. Even his like poor shooting. In some of the biggest games, in Game Seven against OKC, he had that great block, but he didn't shoot great. I don't know, man. I, I'm a Harden guy. And then moving on to that, what's your champion pick for the championship? It can't be Harden. No, it can't be Harden. I, I mean, it's still the Clippers. They're the best team. Why wouldn't you choose the best team? You know. How about you? Best Love players, it. best team. Let's end it on this. What's your what's your uh, championship pick? So breaking it down in my head, I do like the Clippers, but I'm gonna pick somebody else just for the fun of it. The Wash King. So I like the Heat as we gone over earlier, but I don't think they're winning the championship. Uh they could win, but I don't. I don't think they'd be my pick to win the championship. Mm-hmm. The Celtics, they are good, but I picked the Heat to win over them. So how could I pick the Celtics? Mm-hmm. That leaves me with the Nuggets, the Clippers, or the Heat bus. I wasn't going to pick the Clippers. <laughs> so I guess, oh my goodness. I watched King. I guess I'll pick the, I guess, I hope Jamal Murray, Jochik, and the Joker pull it out in game seven. And the magic yeah. continues yeah. into the finals. I'll say it, not a great pick. No, I, I put myself in a corner there. Yeah, a pretty narrow corner at that. But on that note, hopefully we've broadened your minds on some of these topics tonight and not put you in a narrow quarter. Yeah. This is season two of the Jabroni Show. We're happy to be back. Yeah, thank you for listening. You're listening on CFRC Radio 101.9 FM. And I'm Thomas. See you later. What you doing? 
Just trying to tune in CFRC on our FM dial. Didn't mom say we weren't allowed to listen to that punk-ass hipster music anymore? That's just the establishment's way of using our role models to bow to conformity. Besides, what she don't know won't hurt her. Cool, crank it! You are listening to CFRC 101.9 FM. This is your signal. like electro, retro, ghetto, house, and techno. Tune into The Hustle with DJ Bolt every Friday night from 11 to midnight. Get your radio dial to CFRC 101.9 FM and turn up the stereo. Turn up the stereo. Up some more. All you should have on on Friday nights is The Hustle. Only on CFRC 101.9 FM. Up some more. Up some more. Up some more. The Agnes Etherington Arts Center at Queen's University is reminding students to visit them online when you arrive into Kingston or come see them in person. They have eight amazing exhibitions, including new shows focusing on their world-renowned Rembrandt collection, art portraying the Canadian night, and newly commissioned artworks. Admission is always free and everyone is welcome. On their online digital hub, you can also find talks, tours, and events. The Agnes also has online volunteer opportunities for students for any discipline starting this fall. It's all available at agnes.queensu.ca. They're looking forward to seeing you. Wouldn't it be wonderful if you could borrow a musical instrument free of charge just like you can borrow books from your local library? We think so too. That's why the Joe Chitlin Memorial Musical Instrument Lending Library, also known as Joe's Mill, has been lending guitars, keyboards, saxophones, and many other instruments to the Kingston community free of charge for almost 20 years. We are a registered charity, relying solely on the generosity of our community to donate their time, money, and instruments to keep this amazing service alive. Find us at www.joesmill.org or Joe's Mill on Facebook for more information on borrowing instruments or contributing to Joe's Mill. 